0: Thank you all for joining us for another episode of The Thinking Coach with David. We're here today. We're talking about a rather interesting topic. Um, but first, I will introduce David to kick us off. Good to see you, David. How are you doing, mate?
1: Good, Jerome. Good. It's great to be back for another uh, another discussion. And uh, it's it's becoming a, a really nice midpoint of the week for me. It's Wednesday night here in uh in North America, so uh, kind of halfway through, halfway through the week, have a have a nice discussion and hopefully connect with some coaches, and and uh, it's a great way to kind of get over Hump Day.
0: Yeah, well, we're just over Hump Day here in Australia, so that 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 <laughs> gets us. It, it is a quite it is a quite uh, quite good way to you know sort of midway through the week to 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 come in and have this this discussion. Today we're talking about habits and practices a youth coach can develop can develop or improve for coaching and planning. So, you know, let's, let's get, let's get into that. Um, what do you consider to be good habits for a, a, a youth coach or a coach, good habits, good practices that they need to be looking to have or will be improving on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really excited about this conversation. I feel like the, um, the topic is one that hopefully we can uh, make accessible and relatable to coaches in all sorts of different contexts at the youth level. Um, the first thing I would say when it comes to habits that youth coaches um, should be thinking about adding to their to their coaching practice is that it, whatever it is that we do has we have to make sure that it is repeatable, like that we can create um, a routine and a process that uh, we can uh, fine tune and tweak and add to and take away from as we see what works, what doesn't work. But fundamentally, um, there has to be some consistency um, across the board and um, and these, these habits should be, um, you know, we, we need to start small, uh, we, we, we don't need, to create um, a a professional level uh, equivalent uh, type of of process for our youth team, uh, mm-hmm. for our uh, young athletes, uh, for our volunteer coaches, um, you know, for the two trainings a week, or the three trainings a week, or the one training a week, or you know, we what we need to do is to start small and make it relatable, but whatever it is that we decide to do, and hopefully we can get into some examples uh, in the discussion, but whatever it is that we do, we need to make sure that it is repeatable and that we can be, uh, be building a consistent habit at doing those things.
0: When we talk about habits, well, I, I guess we talk about, we've probably talked about two things. There's, there's habits to do with, what we do and how we are and how we go about it, the trainings and games. And then there's habits relating to pre, you know, how we go about it in terms of pre-training, preparation, all of those sort of things, planning. And I always thought from a point of view of a coach that one of the most important things I always felt that I needed to do was to be a habit that I needed to get into from, from very early on was I wanted to be there well before the the athletes were or the players were when they arrived. I obviously wanted to be there. The same with the game, I wanted to be there a good half hour before everyone arrived. Um, from your point of view, we 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 want to we want we're talking about habits. Um, how do you see? You know, this is this is an interesting one. How do you you see the importance of time management as being? a habit that a coach has got to really get right. That's probably, you know, uh, would you see that as being a big one that they've, you know, they've got to have. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely critical Um, because before we can lead anyone else, uh, we really need to be able to lead ourselves and we need to manage our own uh, life, our own commitments, our own, you know, conflicting commitments that pull us in different directions and the different distractions that we have and our work and our family and our, um, every, everything that happens in, in the life of, of, of a person. Right. Um, and it, it starts with, I think some, some excellent time management is a great place to, to start um, because what you want to do, and not just in terms of like your arrival, um uh, but i I mean i have to say i agree entirely i I think we underestimate the um the uh, sort of chaos that being on the rush can bring to your mind and to your emotions and if you're rushing through traffic um on a consistent basis to try and make it to the field or the venue um you know before your athletes or you know that that will play a part in how prepared, calm, uh, you know, how, how you assess a situation because now your, your mind is, is just racing Mm -hmm. and your adrenaline is going um, before you ever begin the uh, the training or the competition. Um, So I, I think it goes beyond that though. It goes to how you structure your week and how you structure your time. Um, I think there's obviously the commitments that you have to the team. You have your trainings. Let's say you train twice a week uh, at a youth level um, and, or three times a week. And, and so those days you have in your calendar, you work backwards from them. You have your competition dates. You work backwards from those in order to understand when do you need to begin your preparation for the day? When do you need to Uh, begin taking care of the other things you have in your day so that you can arrive where you need to be ready and raring to go, so to speak with your plans and you've done your sort of due diligence to, to know, to have prepared and visualized. And um, you have a a plan of action for when you do arrive um, at a venue or you arrive at the bus or you arrive at wherever it is that you're going Uh, the work I'm a, I'm a really big believer in doing your work early, a really big believer in doing your work early. Do your work early um, as much as possible. And if you do that, then you put yourself in a situation where um, anything that pops up that is an emergent kind of question or issue, you have the headspace and the time to deal with those rather than that being one more thing to add to your chaotic state of mind. Because if you can't if you can't help yourself, how can you help anyone else?
0: I, I, as I say, I used to believe it was important to get there early. But another reason it was important to get there early was because it allowed you. The next, I guess, the next habit that I felt was always very important. I don't know how to, your thoughts on this are. I needed to check my surroundings. Then I needed to to do a, a traditional OHS and Oc health and safety. Uh, of the area, a recce, to make sure that there were, there were no issues in relation to that. How important is it to, co- is a, we often forget it, how important is that a habit for a coach to remember, You know, before a training session or a game, you've actually got to make sure that there are no safety related issues that might be, or there are no issues that might be a problem during that session at the venue itself.
1: I think it's it's a major part of what we do as adults coaching young people. We have a duty of care and a real um, serious responsibility to ensure that that the training site, the competition site, is um, free of you know risky items. Or and I'm very like my my own athletes get to know this very quickly about me. I, I'm very conscious of where basketballs are in my case um you know we have things that we need to do with the basketballs we you know can't let basketballs be on the ground um you know just things that over over time you've come to learn uh either through experience or through uh coaching courses and and other types of training uh you've come to learn that that these things matter a lot um and because at the end of the day, these are young people, and we're talking about youth um, who are oftentimes oblivious to, um, to the world around them and to their surroundings. And uh, it's, you know, they, they don't, they might not notice that there's a, you know, something that is a bit of a risk right next to the plane surface, or they might not be able to manage their surroundings or manage their distance. And, That's part of what we have to do. You know, we are the adults and we are, um, you know, in sort of responsible, we are in positions of responsibility for their safety, uh, first and foremost. Um, And that goes beyond uh, just physical safety. I think it goes to emotional safety uh, and it goes to, you know, uh, mental safety as well. For example, if there are, if you're in an outdoor venue or if you're in an indoor venue and there are. Um, you know, altercations or other types of, of um, abusive behavior that is occurring nearby, and you're working with 11 year olds, that this becomes, this becomes an issue that you have to address as, as the, as the adult, as the coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having, having um, common sense is a big part of it. A lot of it is common sense. Uh, However, the routine Uh, I, I keep coming back to, to this idea of a process. Um, you know, when I, when I first started coaching, um, I, I came across some great resources from coaches that, uh, would have, you know, basically on sheets of paper, like literal checklists and, you know, whether that was for, uh, clearing the, the gymnasium, checking the floor, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, either themselves, their coaches or managers or whatever, uh, whatever the, the role would, would be that would take charge of that. But it was done every day, every single day. Mm. And the forms were, um, you know, were compiled and recorded. And and later on, when I became an athletic director, I understood the importance of liability and risk management and um, all of these other you know, fun things. That um, ultimately as organizers of sport, we also need to uh, be training our, our people and educating our people to be aware of. So when, when it comes to you know, the specifics of the environment where a coach might be, that's, it's going to differ. It's going to change because everything is going to be a different situation. However, I think a major piece of the puzzle here is just developing a habit of being responsible um, taking responsibility for more than just the sport, right? More than just uh, how. How are they playing? Are they playing well or not well? Are they winning or not winning? You know, we have a responsibility that goes far beyond that. As mm-hmm. as coaches of youth sport, we really have a a far far broader um, range of responsibilities.
0: Yeah, we talk about examples of of the importance of this, and we're talking about safety here. Um, I know from, from an experience, a great example of it was, and the importance of having a habit of getting to training early or, or, or being in that environment sooner. I arrived at a hockey turf one day and discovered, that, and this is how easily it can, you can be thrown by something if you're not ready. Um, I discovered that one of the light towers had been knocked over in the storm the night before, which meant that there was an entire section of the turf that was virtually... Um, unsafe to go into because of the the, the the lack of light in that area. And when you're dealing with hockey bulls, you can't have them flying around in a, in a slightly dangerous light scenario. So from a coaching point of view, how, you know, we talked about this, how important is it, how important is it is that from a habits point of view to make as a coach, to make sure that when you arrive, that you actually do, as we say, scan for these problems. A lot of coaches tend to forget that they, what we say, they tend to just turn up where we go and possibly put them, put things at risk. Um, you know, and and again, in saying that, had I not been there early enough to to notice that area, then I couldn't have adjusted because that requires then an adjustment, doesn't it? Requires an adjustment into what you're doing on the training track yeah
1: yeah that's right and that's like that's an example of what i mentioned earlier in terms of like an emergent issue like that is an unexpected out of the blue you know issue that requires attention Mm. has to be addressed uh can't ignore it you know it's not something you can put off till later um and you know had 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 you not been sort of in a headspace, first of all, and then second of all, had the habit, and then third of all, been there with enough time to conduct that sort of, you know, walkthrough, so to speak, um, then it might have led to a more um, uh, anxiety-driving interaction maybe not for us or for you in that case, or for us as the adult, but for your athletes, hmm. you know, what your athletes are going to feed off of the energy that you have. Hmm. Uh, and they're, they take their cues from, uh, from their head coach and from their assistant coaches and from their, the manager and from the, the adults, they take their cues from the adults that are around their team. Um, so if, if we are, you know, experiencing a situation which, okay, this is out of the blue. We have to deal with this. We get kind of um, riled up about it. Um, then they are going to also get riled up about it. And while we as adults might be able to manage our um, emotions uh, appropriately and not let it distract from the overall goal of the day. The athletes might not be able to do that. Um, so the, the, there really is a, a, a circle here that continues to get uh, linked together. Preparation and process, building habits, having, um, you know, the, the benefit of forethought, right? And uh, just going through a routine is more likely... Uh, going to give you the the ability to manage something that comes out of the blue, like a light tower that falls down. Mm. And, you know, like that. who could have anticipated that? But I guarantee that it, had you been racing through traffic and rushing to the field and, you know, you were like, hey, over here, over here, over here, over here, over here. And even if you had noticed it, you would have been rushing up to an official or to the home, to, you know, to the field manager. And you would have been much more, like this needs to get fixed right now. We're playing an X number of time, but you're early. You can address it in a reasonable way. And then your athletes are going to feed off of that. So that, that performance circle really links everything together. Um, and, and what I would tell coaches out there is, is this. Think about how you get to training every day. Think about how you organize your week. What does your week look like? What does your day look like? What's different about a training day versus a non-training day? What's different about a competition day versus a non-competition day in your area, in your life, you know, in regards to work, the team, the, your family, et cetera. Um, and really kind of write it down, just write it down and build yourself a, a, a plan to be able to say, okay, On game days, we play at one o'clock and on a typical day, on a typical, uh, you know, weekend day, say you play Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, on a typical day, I wake up at this time. I have this sort of routine in my home that I do. Um, I have to change that in these ways. And now you build yourself a game day schedule. Maybe you get up earlier. Maybe uh, whatever it is that the changes are that you need to make. You arrive at 1130 um, or 12 or w- whatever, uh, but you, you arrive where you need to be. You are hydrating, uh, take it from someone who has, who has, you know, basically collapsed on the court for dehydration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're hydrating, you're doing the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. Um so that you can take care of your athletes
0: and help them uh, help them succeed. We talk about controlling emotion. We talk about emotions there Uh, as a habit, how important a habit is, is the ability to control as a coach, the ability to control the emotions. Is that a habit? Is that something that, you know, a coach has got to develop as, as an ability to actually control their emotions to a degree. You know, I think you can develop habits that
1: help you control, Mm -hmm. but I don't think the act of controlling your emotions in and of itself is a habit because your emotions are going to be completely different from one time to the next. And a habit is to my definition, something that is repeatable more or less the same. Um, So maybe what you have are, um, some, some key words or some things that you do. Um, I've known coaches who tended to get really riled up during competition, uh, who had in their, um, you know, pant pocket, uh, one of those little squishy balls, uh, the, the stress, you know, kind of the stress balls. Um, and you know, or, and they, they would just give it a squeeze or as, you know, and, and it would kind of be, a little bit of a, a hey, calm down, right? Uh, and I, I think you can develop some, some cues and some habits that help you be in the moment of managing your emotions at that time. Um, it's just difficult to, to build a routine that gets you to the place where you are not having emotions, um, which would be kind of the way that I would look at, at controlling your emotions as a habit in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we all like, take, take us out of the sporting context and put yourself at work or put yourself at the grocery store, or put yourself in traffic driving around. Um, and I, I think we all know that we, we have ups and downs as, as, as human beings and we have emotional moments, high emotion. We have low emotion. Uh, we're feeling up, we're feeling down. We have, you know, we might be cranky. Uh, We might not be sleeping enough. We might not be hydrating enough or eating enough uh, or eating the right food or eating late uh, and eating bad food late, um, drinking excessively. Um, There are all of these things that we do that contribute to our um, mental and emotional well-being. And. If we do too many of the things that deteriorate our mental and emotional well-being, we will be less likely uh, to effectively manage our emotions in a high-pressure situation. I think that that's one of the major changes that I've experienced myself and that I see in more and more of my colleagues and peers in, in coaching is that it used to be a real badge of honor. Um, You know, that we would work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, um, nonstop, 365, you know, as if running ourselves into the ground, uh, what made us a coach and mostly to the neglect of our own health. And we've seen more and more efforts being made, I think, around the world. And I've seen great examples in, in lots of different countries where the, the focus is on coach health, both mental health mm. and you know physical medical um, health. And, you know, if, if again, it goes back to that same idea, if we can't take care of ourselves. How can we take care of anyone else? If we are not at our best because we are hurting ourselves basically, um, then we are giving less than what we would want to give to our athletes um, so we owe it to ourselves we owe it to our families um, you know uh, and we owe it to our teams and to our athletes uh, to to take care of ourselves in that way and I've uh, you know I've really had to learn that lesson I can tell you Jerome I've you know I've I've experienced um, some you know Negative health outcomes uh, due to no sleep, over caffeination, low hydration, uh, not eating, um, you know, and, and a range of other, you know, just bad habits um, mm-hmm. that, that affected me. And, and eventually one day, um, you know, three weeks into a season, the ambulance has to come to the stadium because I'm down on the court. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's not good for anyone. Um, most of all, you know, my family who, you know, when I got home, I had a whole other problem. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's it, like that, that is not that that is not good. And, um, you know, I really learned some serious lessons along the way that I try and and share with coaches about it is a game. We care about it. We care about winning. We care about helping our kids. We care about helping our teams, whether they're youth or adult, whatever the case is. Um, We are competitive. We dedicate our time to this. We dedicate our energies to this, whether part-time, full-time, volunteer, paid, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, if I'm volunteer coaching a 15 and under team, I'm pouring in the same energy and time as I will pour into a team I was being paid to coach. Mm. Um, so, but that being said, we have to keep things in perspective and it creates a healthier us and a healthier us is a better coach.
0: Well, I know, I know what you're saying about the importance of making sure you've got good habits in place and all of those things, because, yeah, uh, I would probably say that the reason I broke my hand in Sydney when I was coaching, on the way to coaching, was because uh, I started to rush at one point when I thought we were in, I was in a bit of trouble, and the result was as, you know something as simple as tripping up a step, falling and breaking the hand, and then having to then having the the difficult task of having to try and coach in a game before going to the hospital to. Um, to and I and I say this, and we come back to this point. I then decided to coach in the game with a broken hand. In reality, that's not a good thing to do. I say that to all the coaches out there are watching. Don't do as I just did there because that you would probably agree wrong thing to do. <laughs> because yes. you know, um, in order for me to do that, I had to be, you know, basically dosed up with painkillers in order to get through, which means I confess, and this is a scary thing, and this is why habits, you've got to be careful, is because I don't remember the game. Mm. I remember the pregame, naturally, because I was in pain. I don't remember the game. I don't remember what happened until after the game, until I was in the emergency room at the hospital later. Mm not a good, ha- not a good, not a good scenario. So it is important, isn't it? That habits that you, you get those things to do with yourself from a habits po- forming point of view. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and thank you for sharing that it, it um, you know, these are real, these are real stories, right. Uh, and coaches need to understand that uh, as I've said in a, in another discussion, like coaches are not meant to be martyrs. Um, You know, we, we were fortunate enough to, to be involved with people doing something that we love. Um, And it's a game, whatever the game is. Um, And sometimes I think we are so um, conscious of how fortunate we actually are to be in that situation that we end up holding on too tightly Mm. to the rope. Um, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes when you hold on too tightly to something, it's, it's, it's worse for you than if you allow your hands to, um, to have a little bit of of flexibility. Cause this is the, the, the imagery that I use is this, like if you're holding onto a rope and you're dangling over, um, you're dangling over a a chasm, right? And there's a rope and you're on the rope. If your hands are too tight, you can't climb. Mm. In order to climb, you need to move your hands. And in order to move your hands, you can't be holding on too tight.
0: No, that's wrong.
1: And so sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that, you know, we, we can't hold on too tight. It's not going to make us better. It's not going to help the people that we're trying to help. It's hurting you, and it's ultimately going to hurt your team, and of course, the people that are in your life. Um, and so, starting off, like coaches that are that are just beginning their journey, um, I I think they're way smarter than I was when when I oh, started coaching. Way smarter, like way smarter, and they're a lot savvier um, in terms of self care. Um, they're a lot smarter in lots of other ways too. Uh, but on this topic, I just, I really feel like when, when I was coming up in the game as a coach, it really was about how hard and how long and that badge of honor that you would earn by working hard, working long and, um, kind of just not stop until you drop. Right always watching more film, always doing more, 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 more. And I I just don't feel like that is, uh, that's an effective strategy. Um, I I think it, I don't think it ever was. Um, I think we just normalized abnormal behavior. And um, I think more and more uh, coaching as a profession is coming around to reality uh, and, noticing that uh, that doesn't help anyone Um, and so we should not do that Uh, and uh, I'm I'm proud of the younger generation of coaches who are um, just light years ahead of where I was personally um, as a as a coach when I was in my early 20s uh, mid 20s and so forth it it, um, I think we're making steps in the right direction but self-care building yourself a routine whether that's mindfulness, exercise, um, you know, in whatever form that takes, uh, you know, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else.
0: I would agree with you on that because when I first started out as well, um, I noticed that today, the coach that I am probably today and the coach that I was when I first started out are very, very different. Um, I've learned along the way, better habits, better processes, better, a whole range of different things to make sure that I'm 100% and I'm firing on all cylinders because the reality is, is that you, as a coach, have responsibility. You do. You have a responsibility to your team, to your players. If you're not 100%, you're not able to give 100%. Um, that can only be a bad thing for team performance. Um, so I guess that brings me to the next point. Will those habits, how do we improve those? How does a coach improve those habits? Is it just something that's going to happen over time or are there things that they can do to actually make significant improvement in the areas they need to?
1: The first thing that a coach um, has to do is establish what their routine is going to be. And that is going to be uh, an iterative process, right? Like it's not going to be okay. I wrote it down once. I'm done. Um, you're you're going to go through several versions. Uh, and uh, you know, we say like in 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 when it comes to writing a a draft of a paper, a project, uh, a book, whatever. Um, you know, the, the purpose of the first draft is not to uh, get it right. The purpose of the first draft is to get it done. And you know, you you complete what you think is going, uh, you know, your best work at the moment. Um, And maybe you try it out for a couple of weeks, a month, a month and a half, two months. Um, And you can realize that, okay, I I need to make some changes in these areas as you live it. Um, You know, some people are, um, you know, they might be great at exercising in the early morning. They might, you know, that's how they start their day. Um, Maybe it's not possible for people with young children who don't sleep through the night. And uh, it's, you know, so everybody's going to have their own way of determining what their routine and the habits that they want to implement are going to be. The key is to start doing something, start doing something, write it down, review it, um, change it, experience it, keep what you like. Change what you don't like um, and don't judge your routine um, based on whether it leads to a a victory or it doesn't lead to a victory. Um, That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not as a coach, you are um, able to be at your best to fulfill the role that you have to, to play for your team. Uh, in addition to all the other roles that you have to play in, in your life. Um, and so to do that, you have to be able to, to critically self-reflect uh, and take the time and don't tie it to performance. Do not tie it to performance. That is, I think, uh, uh, it's a trap that coaches fall into, right? Because um, we're inherently performance-driven and we're also inherently kind of superstitious. So something worked. I'm going to keep doing that thing, even though that thing might not be good for me. Um, but it worked because I got a, I, we got to win. Um, but that's not the win you're chasing. The, the wins take care of themselves because you train properly, your team performs, they're in the right headspace, et cetera. The way that you get them there is by taking care of yourself and making sure that you have your own routine so that you're at your best in training, you're at your best in meetings, you're at your best... When you're texting and talking and and doing those sorts of things with them to keep moving the entire culture of the team towards a positive place um, and one of preparation so that they can perform, but it's not because you know you wake up at five thirty every day and it worked this week. Um, you know, there's no there's no causation there, right? Um, for for coaches, but I I I hear that a lot from coaches that I talk to um, that. You know, they, they make wholesale changes based on outcomes mm. um, and they make changes, you know, almost month to month uh, based on what seems to be working in their minds uh, on outcomes, but don't focus on the outcomes. Make sure that you are in a space where you are feeling confident. You are feeling positive. You're feeling healthy. You're, you're you know, you're able to be uh, all in where your feet are in the moment. And you're not, you know, doing other things in your mind because you have not done your work early and you're preoccupied with other things. Um, it doesn't make you a good coach uh, to, to be pulled in a million different directions. You just need to be able to get yourself to that space where you are, where your feet are.
0: Well, I, I, I agree with you. And I agree with you on that a lot of uh, all of what you're saying there and the importance of having these routines. You know, I know, for example, as I say, again, in Sydney, when I got there, I was coaching uh, a junior team as well as a senior team. I discovered on a Friday night that the junior team's games would start at 11 o'clock at night. You know, that was, and as it turned out, was a regular practice uh, in Sydney wow. that this would, this would happen. So how do you, you know, I had to figure out a way to adjust. I had to figure out how that routine, how that start time impacted on my routines, impacted on, a whole range of different things because this would be a Friday night. And then I would have to obviously go into a Saturday game as well for seniors in some cases. So how, how do we, how do we adjust? So the most important thing for me was I needed to find out when these, I needed to find out game times. I needed to figure out how many of these 11 o'clock games we were going to face throughout the year so that I was able to, you know, tick those off and plan them. Luckily for us, there were only about three. Or, there were only four that we had all year, but it's still, you know, to see that come up did for a brief second throw a spanner into the routine. Yep. How the heck do I deal with this? So I guess what I'm saying, what I'd be saying, you know, how to, you know, it's important that coaches remember that things are going to come along that are going to be foreseen that are going to throw spanners in the works don't panic i guess that's you know would you say yeah. And panic. absolutely
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and you know i i uh, i like uh, using the like i don't know if this is everywhere but in north america at like carnivals and you know traveling circuses and things there's this game called whack-a-mole where the little the little mole pops out of the yeah, hole, yeah, right, right. And
0: yeah.
1: uh, okay and I mean, really, that's what we're doing, right? Like, all, all we do all the time is play whack-a-mole. Here comes a new thing. Boom, now well, we got to take care of that. Here comes a new thing. Boom, here comes a new thing. And, you know, we can become consumed with um, the whack-a-mole nature of, of what it is that we do. Um, and it takes us away from the, the bigger picture uh, and from the, um, you know, the driving of, of the team, the culture, the organization uh, forward because we are dealing with one emergent issue, another emergent issue, another mole, another mole, another mole. So the the way to take care of this, in my opinion, is uh, I go back to it all the time, like do your work early. And if you put in the time um, and the effort in a diligent way um, and you accept that you're not going to get it right, like, you know, it's the, the purpose of the first attempt is not to get it right. It's to get it done. So get through it. Have something down in terms of your season plan, your game plan, your you know whatever the case may be, um, and you know have an actual like process for game day. For example, all my teams, um, they you know they would receive. We would talk about it. We would we would review it. We would actually go through it at a practice. We play at this time, we arrive X number of minutes together as a team or, you know, whatever the context is beforehand. Um, There's a invariably in my situations, I would always allow um, like there would be some some individual time people would we would be in the building, but we would not be we would get, you know, be getting, you know, physio treatment or, you know, stretching or you know some guys would get in the weight room before a game etc um and and then we would you know at a specific time we would do x y or z at another specific time we would do a b or c um and there is a routine to it that everyone was comfortable and familiar with and you know had input into in most cases uh and and that allowed us to kind of progress through so that as we are there and something happens. Overtime game, invariably we would be the second game or the last game, uh, you know, maybe following a bunch of junior games or following, you know, another game. There's an overtime game or there's a delay or there's this, that, or the next thing. And then the next thing is you're, and all we are doing as coaches truthfully all, in every situation, we are coaching the reaction to what happens. So you make a mistake on the field or on the court, how do you react? Something goes right, how do you react? What's the next thing that we do? What? How do we react to the situation? Well, you have a plan for the pregame and then there's a something happens. Somebody hits a buzzer being shot and you're already in the tunnel and you're ready to go out on court. And now you got to hang out or go back in the locker room for another 10 minutes or whatever the case is and you gotta you gotta start all over again right and you know teams that teams that are well prepared that do their work early that are they're able to handle all these changes better than the teams that are kind of by the seat of their pants they're flying and um, they did not do their work early so they're they're kind of figuring it out as they go. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I think ultimately what I would tell coaches at the youth level is um, it doesn't have to be fancy.
0: Mm.
1: It doesn't have to be in-depth. You could have four bullet points on a piece of paper, uh, four or five bullet points on a word doc, that you have put together and put some thought into this is this is how we are going to go about our day today um take your monday take your tuesday etc take your days of the week put your schedule in uh understand where you need to be what you need to do when you need to leave in order to get there etc and you'd be amazed at how much of a better coach you become uh, when you do that because all of the guesswork is taken out of the equation and you know i'm going to end this particular comment on on this you know the uh, president obama Mm -hmm. um there was a famous sort of uh portion of an interview at some point that he gave um where he explained that like basically he takes the guesswork out of um what he wears right Um, same thing with Zuckerberg, same thing with like a range of other, other people that are, you know, really high performers, they're, you know, they're, they're leaders in their, in their field or just leaders, period. Um, you know, in all, of all fields and they take the guesswork out of the, the, the things that don't mean very much. In other words, what, what I wear really doesn't have much impact on, on, on how good I am at what I do. So I take the guesswork out, and I don't have to process this, you know, because your brain only has so much RAM, right? There's only so much you can do. Do your work early. Take the meaningless stuff out by planning, so that you're not trying to figure out at in the moment what which way you're going to go or whatever the case is. Give yourself an advantage. And let your brain do the amazing things that your brain can do um, when you let it work uh, for you and don't over, overburden it with, with things. And I've, I've tried to do that. I haven't been super successful in a lot of ways, but in other ways I have, I keep it relatively simple for most things. Um, That could be your diet. That could be, you know, other things like just keep it simple. And you'd be amazed that all of a sudden you're like processing things and getting answers to things that, um, that you might not otherwise have gotten. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complex. It could be simple, straightforward, but work at it, put some effort into it. And, um, you know, just remember the, the purpose of the first draft or the second draft or the third draft is n- not to get it right. It's to get it done. And get it done, make it better. Get it done, make it better. Keep going until you find something that
0: works. How important, just the last thing, how important is it that a coach's habits are, you know, are uh, uh, synced up with the, with the player and the team's habits? How important is it to make sure that the routines that a coach is having don't actually conflict as much as possible with the team or the players' habits? Because players have different habits too. How important is it to make sure that all those routines, all those habits that everyone has in amongst a team environment are all basically kept and met without any, you know, within the, the confines of what you've got to do? Yeah, I
1: would say two things to that. The first thing is if a coach is going to be um, – coaching for any length of time. Like if you're going to have any sort of staying power in coaching, you need to be authentic to yourself. And if you're authentic to yourself, you're more likely to then transmit, transfer um, your, your habits and beliefs and values to the teams that you lead uh, to the athletes that you work with. Um, So there's more likely to be some gradual aligning of, of these habits over time, because as the leader, if you're being genuine to what you do, um, just as a person, then, you know, invariably you're going to find that your players, uh, your, your athletes, your teams, they start doing the same thing, uh, in some ways, uh, not exactly the same, but, you know, they start noticing the same things. They start speaking the same way. They start acting the same way. Um, one of the, I I can tell you one of the, um, uh, you know, uh, proudest moments as a coach for me is, has been when I've seen, um, my teams, uh, you know, react to adversity, um, in ways that reflect what we have coached them on and what we coach them on is what we believe in and try to live out. Um, because you can't be a fraud in this, in this, uh, in this profession, um, and, and pretend to be something that you're not, you have to be authentic and for all the good and the bad that we have as people. So, um, that, that has made it very, uh, gratifying to see. And I I feel like the athletes have gradually kind of aligned in some ways. However, on the other hand, the second thing I would say is. Everybody is their own person and everyone's going to have their own um, vision for, for what their routines or what their habits are. I think ultimately for coaches, you know, what we have to do is respect the individuality of our athletes um, and understand that uh, you know, we have not so much rules, but we have standards. Um, and you know there used to be again it used to be uh, uniformity mattered more uh, because we believed um, at the time going back now even prior to my own beginning of like going way back and then that transferred through we believed that uniformity created um, strength and unity within the group and I think what we've seen is gradually we've moved away from this idea of, of forced uniformity uh, towards a greater celebration of uh, the diversity that we have with as people. And the fact that we have strength in numbers and that we have strength in the diversity when we recognize and respect and celebrate that diversity.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, is at a, that's at a broad level, but it's also at a very individual level. I'll give you an example. When I started coaching, um, I'm sorry, when I started playing, uh, I was just, you know, young and, um, we, you know, my coach, uh, coming up in elementary school, uh, was a a very good coach. Um, and, had coached at the university level and was, you know, really knew the game. And I learned a lot. Uniformity mattered more um, than, uh, than, than diversity. And so everyone, everyone did the same thing pre-game. Everyone did the same post-game. Um, and over time, what you ended up seeing was, some people wanted to talk to people. Some people wanted to listen to their music. Some people just didn't even want to be in the locker room. Mm. Um, and, th- you know, the guy who would put on his, his earphones, um, you know, he's not doing that to get away from the rest of the team. He's doing that to put himself into a position where he's best able to help the team, mm. Um and now I think we kind of recognize that that's kind of common sense, uh, to us now. Uh, but that has not always been the case, right. As you know, so, um, I, I think that we, we should be celebrating the the diversity that we have within our groups. We should be uh, supporting our athletes and discovering who they are. Cause again, remember, if we're talking about youth sport, we're talking about people that are still in discovery of who they are as people. And, um, you know if you have a standard of conduct and people contradict that when it comes to their behavior disrespectful language or things like that um you know that's not them feel, you know figuring out who they are that's them maybe just acting out and they need to be held accountable to the standards to which they agreed um but a person who um you know you know d- d- doesn't want to chit chat before the game or 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 whatever the case may be Um, you know, that's not, that's not the same thing. Uh, and, uh, we, I I think we, we should be, we should be recognizing that as coaches, we should be supporting that uh, as coaches, because at the end of the day, if youth sport has any value, um, within our society, um, writ large within human society, I would say it's that it, it really is an opportunity for young people to figure out who they are, who they're going to be. Uh, when they uh, enter adulthood and when they go on to become hopefully functioning members of society. And it's our job as coaches to not just teach them how to put a ball through a basket or a ball in a net or whatever it is, but it's to learn how to be yourself authentically, also be a part of a group authentically, just as we're all part of society authentically And we have to be part of a team and we have to collaborate together and we have to respect that Jerome is different to David and David is different to, uh, to Jerome. And, but Mm. we have to come together and make something work. Right. Mm. Um, And that's what we do. Like, that's what we do uh, in, in youth sports. And I don't think putting our head in the sand and making everybody march to the same tune um, on things that don't matter uh, really is a good way to go about achieving that goal.
0: I often used to say to people, and, and this was, uh, and my routines change. And, and one of the things I always wanted to before a game was, I didn't like having people around me want to talk to me when I was going to a game, when I was travelling. When I got there and I was around the players, it was different. You started to talk, but I like to get into, I like to have quiet time. I like to get into the zone. I like to be, you know, able to just think about what is coming. From a coaching point of view um yeah often often that wasn't conducive to social interaction <laughs> if you had people around you and people often accused me of being antisocial. i wasn't being antisocial. i was just you know i was in my routine um, so uh, you talk about music so in order to overcome the fact that people would often want to interact with me at a time when i was trying to you know channel my Thoughts. I added music myself. I started using, going to games. I started listening to music. It was my way to stop the outside world from crossing into my routine, which was, which would happen. You know, I can I can say it for uh, on the record that there were many many times when I would be, you know, traveling to a game and there was someone or some group that was crossing into that you know, that world that I was coming, going into, um, that was actually disrupting uh, the routine that was actually probably not doing me, helping me a great deal. Um, I, I guess I noticed my routines became more important around big games. I don't know if that's something that would you agree that your routines around the big games even become more important? You know, those big occasions to make sure you've got your routine.
1: Yes, I I, I would say so for a couple reasons. But before I get to that, I, I would say a couple things about about your your earlier comment, um, and and I think you're right. Like as as coaches, we we're always pulled in a million different directions and we have competing demands on our attention and on our time. Um, and I think what we have to do is weigh our responsibility to others because ultimately coaches are servant leaders and we are there to serve the people that we are entrusted with leading. Um, so to lead is to serve. And if we are, um, going to do that effectively we we need to be available uh mm. to them and you know i i, I coached i've coached a lot of, of different players who you know they just wanted to talk to me yeah um and i mean on like not even about anything related to the contest it was about i mean it literally could be anything mm. um but I needed to be available to them because that was part of what I um, had signed up for. Right. Um, And, and yet at the same time, of course, we have a job to do for which we are preparing ourselves. And so one of the, one of the, the, um, I guess the the approaches that I took that I've, I've, I've taken over the last maybe 10 years or so, is that I've, I've really focused on, again, doing my work early um, in the sense that my prep time mentally uh, is done way before I ever get to uh, where I'm interacting with my assistant coaches, where I'm interacting with my players. Um, depending on this, the sort of the position that you might have, um, you might have junior coaches, you might have uh, other people in your organization uh, directors, etc., that that you know you're interacting with, donors, you know, you name it. Okay, mm-hmm. all, all depending parents, uh, and so you know the by doing the work early on myself, I I arrive at a place where I just I accept the fact that I'm going to be demands are going to be made on my time and attention, mm-hmm. um, and. And I, I create space for that and I make it okay for that to happen um, just as the same way I'm not rushing through traffic, I'm not rushing into the competition trying to get myself ready, um, I am ready, so I don't have to get ready uh, when it comes to that. Um, and, and that way I'm taking care of myself but I'm also mindful of the fact that you know, I'm, I'm a servant leader uh and so I I I do need to be available in 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 reasonable reasonable ways and the second thing I would say on that is is this I do think that presence matters um and if I could go back in a couple different situations that I've been in as a coach and change a few things I would be more present um in in the locker room I think sometimes we we give ourselves kind of an out where we say, you know what, like we need a break from them. They need a break from, from me. Um, you know, again, the old, the old chestnut, right? Like don't get too close, uh, to, to your athletes, that sort of thing. There is nothing wrong in particular if you're coaching youth and by youth, I mean like 18 and under down, um, you know, there is nothing wrong with, uh, hanging out in the locker room with your team, you know, appropriately, Um, you you know, obviously, but hanging out around the field, hanging around in the stands, um, you know, just talking uh, because the same, the same work that you do at practice um, in terms of connecting with your athletes, asking them about their family, asking them about their day, asking them about whatever's going on. How'd you do on your English test? Like all of this sort of stuff. You do that before you go out and, and, and train, and you want your training to be like game. So why would you suddenly treat your game as if it was some holy moment uh, where, you know, nothing can be discussed other than, well, I mean, that's not what you do every other day. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the consistency factor is really important. And I find that it, it, it does do a great job of breaking the tension. Um, Uh, in in your athletes as well. Uh, But presence matters. Presence matters. And, um, you know, because I have done the thing where, you know, like I sit in my office, and I'm just like, I I can't be around people. Um, And as a coach, we're kind of like, we're wired for connection. Mm. And at some point, you're like, you know what, I just want to be around my guys, right? I just want to be around my my, my team, uh, my coaches, um, and whatnot. So uh, so that's that. That's what I would. That's what I would say to, um, uh, to, to your earlier comment. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of people always used to say it to me. Oh, you seem to be, you know, and, and they would often say it to me, particularly after big games. You could, you know, we we won a grand final, and I was well, I wanted to be with the team, not doing all the uh, the usual glad handing stuff that tends to happen for a poor old coach after after a game. Everyone wants. Everyone else who's not the team wants a piece of the, the coach's time, and the coach is desperately trying to get to the locker room to be with the team that he's just fought. They've just fought this this battle together with, uh, and it used to be frustrating, and, and, it, and it is a difficult thing. It is a difficult thing to know at what point do you turn around and say to all those outside in outside forces, "Look, sorry guys, I've, I've, I've got to get." I need to I need to be there, not here. I, I, I need to be with my team, not here. Um, and there's both situations. You can lose a game, and you need to be. You're right. You do need to be present, win or lost, uh, with your team. And and that and they. I always used to say that my players came first. Then. Some, then that often it was the, it was the parents that came. If I was coaching juniors, it was the parents that came second. The club, I'm afraid to say, and its officials were a distant third. That was that was how it went. The players were always priority number one. Um, it is it is a tricky thing. It's a tricky balancing act because you're yeah. right. There's a lot of the there's a lot of competing uh, forces looking for your time. Some of it is white noise that you probably don't need, but unfortunately, it's there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the big game aspect is is really important as well because uh, basically what you just have is is everything is magnified, um, so you know you, you whatever you might experience in a normal day or a normal game day, is going to be magnified M- magnified by a factor of what I don't know but it's going to be magnified, and you know so if you coach a a, a sixteen and under team. And on a typical game day, when you arrive at the stadium or at the field or wherever it is that you're playing, um, you have, you know, six sets of parents that are, you know, asking, talking, they're pretty consistent, they're always there, they want to know how the team's doing, right, like, etc. And you might have a couple directors, you might have some other parents or some other, you know, like people around. OK, well, on a big game day, you're going to have 15 sets of parents and you're going to have all, all the directors and you're going to have, you know, you, you name it, because there's going to be more people, more electricity. People are going to be more excited. And that's a good thing. Like you want people to be excited, right? Um, you want other people to be excited the way that we get excited about about what it is that we're doing. And the the eyeballs and the attention on on the team and the sport and the club just go up when it comes to a big game, playoff game, you know, a grand final game, you know, whatever the the case may be. So, do if you do your work early, again, um, then you you're you know sort of better positioned to deal with um, with some of that. However, here's the here's where you have to change a little bit. Whereas on a game, on a typical game day with those five or six sets of parents, you kind of, Hey, a couple minutes here, you know, you're good. Thank, you know, thanks for coming out. Great to see you. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Off you go. Well, you might not be able to do that quite so easily within the same amount of time when you have 15 sets of parents and you have the entire board of directors or the entire administration or whatever the case may be. And so you, you really need a plan. Um, and a time by which it's you know you see it in the movies it's like hey come get me in three minutes right um, and you actually need to be able to extricate yourself from from a situation be like I, I have to go I'm, gonna, I'm thank you for for supporting you know have a great game and I'll see you later um, and uh, being able to say no to to things uh, is important uh, right. it's going to help you sane and it's going to help. Put you back into the moment with your team, which is where you need to be. You need to be in that moment. You can't celebrate uh, too early. You can't get carried up in all of the other stuff. Um, you know, we 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 try really hard to make all of our training sessions as closely analogous to a game situation as possible. Okay, then you shouldn't treat a big game day much differently than you treat any game day or any training day, show up, follow the plan, punch the clock, go to work, see what happens. But on, on big game days, you can't suddenly, you know, start going around. You'll see lots of coaches start, um, really fixating on different things that they have never fixated on because they're riled up and they are on edge. And we can avoid all of that as coaches. If we do our work early, we have our routine, we have our process. Okay. We put ourselves in the right space because we've taken care of ourselves every day leading up to that day. All we do is go out and do what we've been doing every day. Anyway, we're not trying to catch lightning in a bottle and, you know, like sneak our way to a win. No, no, we're there for a reason. We're going to keep doing what we've done, you know, Every day since the start of the season, and we'll let the chips fall where they may, and that's the way that I approach big games.
0: And and you you're quite correct because I I know from the experience of of the grand final in Sydney that time, there was probably only one thing I changed was that I checked into a hotel near the ground uh, the night before, um, largely because I wanted to make sure that you know that I could you know get a good night's sleep, but also walk to the ground the next morning without having to rush uh, without any, any, any need for any panic or any panic setting in. So that was the only thing that really adjusted, Mm. but you, you're right. You will have different things to deal with. Uh, When you arrive at the ground, you will have different things to deal with. You, You will have things that will occur that are probably increased on what they would normally be. So you just prepare, you go with it as best as you can. Um, I used in that occasion I used my assistant coach to step in and, and grab me and take me take me away from it when the time was right. He came up said look we've got to go we've got preparations to make and that was the way you were able to get a, you know move away politely without offending anybody. Um, because obviously you're not trying <laughs> you're obviously trying not to offend anybody. So it is a tricky thing um is there any last minute as we finish up here is any last thing you you'd you'd say to coaches about the importance of of getting routine getting habits um in place I,
1: i would say this i think that every coach needs to start by creating a template for what their habits or routines will be in four areas okay and the first area is going to be that self care um, area. And the self care piece is super important. How are you going to take care of yourself? Um, you know, what are you going to do in order to do that? Uh, and having a real plan uh, for making that happen. The second area is going to be that time management piece. The time management piece is the scheduling, it's the logistics of, um, uh, you know, your, your day to day, right? Like there's, um, there's just the time management, uh, aspect. The, the next piece is going to be the performance, uh, planning, uh, and you need a routine and and habits when it comes to planning your training sessions. Um, when it comes to, uh, planning your team, uh, performance, uh, what what you intend on teaching, uh, what you intend on teaching when, how you intend on teaching it, that whole sort of planning element, that is a routine, that is a process, that whole evaluation piece, everything that we've been talking about um, and so forth. And the fourth piece is going to be the relational habits and the relational... Um, Routines that you need uh, to implement so that you are building connections and building relationships with your players and the other stakeholders that are invested in your team or your athlete or your club or whatever the case may be. Um, You cannot be random in the way you go about building relationships. You need to be intentional about that. Uh, And so, if you can focus on those four areas and put together again, it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, but you identify three, four bullet points, two bullet points, it doesn't matter. Start somewhere, um, for, for those four areas, um, then you're going to be, um, you know, taking the first steps towards some really, um, helpful, um, you know, habits and creating some routines that are going to be good for you. They're going to be good for your team. They're going to be good for the relationships that you have, um, and it's going, they're going to be good for just, you know, your, your entire environment that you're trying to create as a coach within your organization, within your team. Um, and and that, that can only be a positive thing. So I, I would just encourage coaches to to remember that it's okay to start small. Um, you know, don't try and, and create a, a, something that is super complicated. Ask other coaches uh, what they think. Ask other coaches what they do. Um, for how, how do they plan? How do they plan practice? How do they how do they plan their travel? Whatever the case may be, start small, but but go into those four areas: the self care, the time management, the performance planning, and the relationship management.
0: Well, thank you again, David, for being a part of joining us for this episode of the Thinking Coach. We uh, have covered a very interesting topic and a very important topic. Uh, and we look forward to next week's episode as well. So once again, thank you for being with us um, and, and, and working through this for, our, for coaches worldwide.
1: Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Jerome. I appreciate it once again and uh, looking forward to next week.
0: Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you again next week.